Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being. Sundays on Lockray Community Radio, brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, funeral directors caring for your peace of mind. Hello, you're very welcome along to today's episode of Mind Ahead here on Lockray Community Radio with me, Paul Flaherty. This show is very kindly brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, dignityfuneralcare.ie for more information on that. Mind Ahead is your weekly mental health and well-being show where I meet a variety of guests, some that are experts in their field and sometimes by guests that have overcome adversity and achieved personal challenges. Today's guest is a former social worker, now turned mindfulness for well-being training with adults and children. She's also a published author. Her books include The Lotus and the Tiger and her second book, a children's book, Joy's Playground. I am delighted to have the opportunity to speak with Lizzie Shortall. Hello, Lizzie. Delighted to have you on Mind Ahead. Hi, Paul. Thanks a million for having me. I've only recently started asking this question again to my guests, but um, Lizzie, how's the head today? The head is good, thank God. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. head is good today. Um, like Now, like I mentioned in the introduction there, that you're a former social worker. And I suppose we have to kind of go back, really, and kind of talk about this for a little bit, because this is where you began. And uh, how long were you a social worker? Um, I was a social worker, I'd say, for maybe six years. Um, I was working in social care, Paul, for a long time with people with disabilities. Yeah. And then um, I was interested in service delivery, and I decided I was going to go back and train as a social worker and get more involved in how actually mental health services are delivered. Um, I know we spoke about that I was bereaved um, by my brother's suicide, and that really gave me the extra push a couple of years after that to say, right, I'm going to go back, train as a social worker and work in that area. Um, So, yeah, I did that and I worked in a number of different areas, including mental health, oncology, disabilities. Um, Yeah, it was very interesting. I did enjoy it, but it wasn't for me long term. Okay, And what made you kind of realize then that it wasn't really are you yeah yeah i suppose um my idea was that i was going to go in as a social worker and be able to teach um courses like resilience skills and to be able to spend time with people and on a um, one-on-one kind of basis was it on a one-on-one level on a one-on-one or on the group um but with the nature of social work it's a lot of case management and it's a lot of firefighting really and you don't get that much time with people mm-hmm. um and then my most recent social work job was in the mental health services and then lockdown and things like that came along and i have two small children so i was at home with them and i got a chance to rethink about how can i actually be doing what i want to be doing with people um and i went back and trained in the mindfulness for well-being can you explain a little bit about kind of mindfulness for well-being what exactly that is sure yeah yeah so um mindfulness really is paying attention on purpose in the moment without judgment and meditation is the formal practice of that and mindfulness is, let's say, the informal practice. So it's basically being present and um, just being where you're at. So the without judgment part. So if you wake up and you're having a bad day, accepting that and the quicker you accept it, the quicker you move through it. But if you're being mindful, it's much easier um, for you 
mentally, emotionally, um, to be in a better place because a lot of our problems come from worrying about the past or being anxious about the future. And when you're in the moment, um, most of the time, the moment is okay. And if it's not, it puts you back in control because you can deal with the moment. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. So simple mindfulness practices like breathing, like engaging the five senses. Um, I just did lovely summer camps there with kids. And, you know, we every day we spoke about like, you know, what do I see, hear, taste, smell and feel? It's all very simple stuff. Um, and then the meditation is the formal practice, which isn't for everybody. Um, some people enjoy it. Yeah, I know myself, I have tried meditation and... I just don't know if I can, if I've done it properly or if I'm doing it properly, you know, that kind of way. Yes. And I think we're all a bit like that because uh, a lot of the time the perception can be that meditation is to clear your mind of everything. Yeah. And that's not the case. We have thousands of thoughts every day. What the idea is, is to watch the thoughts come and go. So basically our mind is like the sky, mm -hmm. our thoughts are the clouds. And when we're doing meditation, we just watch those clouds go by. It just brings you into awareness. What's coming into my mind? But trying not to attach another thought onto it. So the cloud comes in, oh, uh, I'm hungry. Yeah. And then you say, you just go, right. And you let that thought go rather than start planning the shopping list and the dinner yeah. and whatever the extended thoughts are. And then in my case, the anxiety behind actually going to the shops and having to get all the stuff and then come back and cook it and all that kind of thing. Okay, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we're no longer in the moment. Yeah. And the more we do that in formal meditation when we are doing it, and you can start with a minute, like set a timer and do a minute, the easier it is then when you're in your everyday life and let's say you're busy let's just say you're interviewing me now and your phone starts hopping and yeah. you're like what's going on yeah. it's much easier to say i'm coming back here now what do i see here you know um it's it's really it really really helps me because i would have struggled myself with a lot of anxiety for years and um the mindfulness and the meditation has definitely helped me and the breathing it really really works it if you do um deep breathing again set a timer for one or two minutes it resets your parasympathetic system yeah. so no matter what's happening in your head um your body will actually calm down your brain from this breathing will send messages and I've been in like really busy traffic in Dublin I felt really anxious mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like is this going to work and I just do the breathing because I can't change the situation. And I've been able to calm down and relax and focus and get through it. Because um, that's it. Like you said, sometimes you can't change the situation. You just have to kind of accept the situation you're in and just try your best to, to get through it. Yeah. And we all have things that make us anxious or nervous. Mm. Or for me, anxiety really is just another word for fear. And the more anxious I am and the more the years have gone on, um, my anxiety has reduced greatly, thank God. But I would say to myself, what am I actually afraid of? If I have that anxious feeling, what am I fearing right now? Um, and what can I do about it or what can I not do about it? You've mentioned so, your own anxiety there. Um, yeah. Are you happy to kind of talk about some of that for a little bit? Yeah, no problem yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. What, did you? It's always easier to talk about things when you're a bit out the other side. Yeah. yeah when you were kind of anxious, did you know that that's what was going on? I didn't. Yeah. I would have been anxious uh, from 
like my early teens or even like I remember, you know, being 11, 12 and having that feeling that like butterflies yeah. in my stomach and um, very much around socialness as well. Um, like I had my little friends, but if there was new kids or something, even though I was really sociable and I love to be with people, um, it was a confidence thing, really. I used to get anxious about new people and new situations, but I thought everybody felt like that. Mm. Um, I didn't realize until many, many years later, actually, that's anxiety. And everyone does feel anxiety and it's a normal feeling, but it's when it gets very big mm. um, that, you, you, you know, it's good to do obviously something about it. Okay. And yeah. what did you do? Well, initially, I did the wrong thing, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> um, initially, um, I used to get my hands on a few little drinks at the weekend. Um, you know, uh, again, as a teenager, you know, um, we'd go and we'd have we'd have drinks, and then that carried on into my twenties. So um, I kind of got, a, I suppose, a false confidence from the bottle on a night out, like have a, a drink of cider and be fine. And um, yeah, then as time went on, I tried a lot of different things. So I tried um, exercise or remedies or, um, and eventually then when Lara, my brother passed away, the anxiety got really bad and I went and got some support and I realized that actually binge drinking at the weekend was just making it so much worse. Um, so much worse. So I, I stopped that. Took a while, but I stopped that. Um, and then I was really able to get into the mindfulness uh, side of things. I had been going to a Buddhist center for a year before I tried to stop drinking. Um, once a week I was going meditating and I think it gave me that bit of grounding, that bit of calm mm. to just be able to see a bit clearer what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got some professional support and I stopped drinking and that's really how I managed my anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you've mentioned your brother's passing there. Yeah. yeah. That was a huge moment in your life. It really was. Yeah. It was a very big turning point. Um, I think anyone who's lost somebody very close, it can become a bit like life before person died in life afterwards and um you know Lara was my big brother I was 26 when he passed away he was 32 and he was very much uh the great big brother you know looked after me and um as kids like you know took me out in nature and just had me under his wing and was a mm-hmm. great guy um and he actually did writing and stuff himself but um he had his own mental health problems and when he was 32, yeah, he he died by suicide, and it was it was devastating for the family. Yeah, I mean, it's that's terrible. I'm very sorry, I'm very sorry for your loss. Yeah. But um, how do you sort of get to grasp with that? Because that's you know, huge huge thing in your life. It really was, and you know, I've said this a few times, and I heard somebody say it before that you know grief comes and knocks on your door um but when suicide happens you know um it comes knocks on your door and comes in and wrecks your home you know and that's what it felt like happened to me internally um i was just i was devastated 
Um, and I actually went into shock, I think, for a number of years, really. Um, I couldn't really comprehend what had actually happened. You know it's happened, but you can't really comprehend it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was a good few years knowing he was gone, but in shock. And then when the shock started to wear off, I was able to deal with the grief then. Um, again, some professional help and like a lot of self-care and building a new relationship with Lara. I finally accepting he was gone. And um, I think I mentioned to you earlier, no, now I feel I have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. That he's around and he looks after me and um, he sends me little signs and um which is great you know um which yeah i i i again i mentioned this the other day um what something that was said to me and that's really really helped me this idea that we can't shrink our grief you know we can only get bigger around it and i've seen that in time so i would do a lot of gratitude practice and it's not denying what's happened um it's not trying to make it smaller but it helps to keep it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, these are all the other good things in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, let's say on a bad day or an anniversary or something like that when the grief comes up um, to be able to make space for that, but also make space for all the other good mm-hmm. things as well to keep a balance and not get swallowed up by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 very true as well because, you know, you hear all these kind of sayings about, oh, it'll take time and then, time's a great healer and and things like that but that's not necessarily the case is it because i mean you'll never forget him and you'll never recover kind of from his from his passing but you'll just you know you'll as you said like you just learn to kind of to live with it and just you know build the moments around it as well exactly and like you say i don't think um i don't think i can make what happened um any different than what it is Mm -hmm. but i suppose for anybody listening what i would have liked to hear at the start was um that you can be okay again Mm. you might be the same life might be the same but you can be okay and you can be happy Mm -hmm. and people can feel guilty as well about being happy um i remember the first time i actually felt happy after lara died and my instant response was to think oh my god guilt you know uh, to feel guilt Yeah. Yeah. yeah Um, but I realized after in time, Lara would want me to be happy. Our loved ones want us to go on and want us to be happy. Um, it's just trying to find ways that we can do that, you know. Are you a spiritual person, Lizzie? I think I am, yeah, mm-hmm. big time, yeah. You I mentioned um, the Buddhism there, so that's what I'm kind of asking you. Yeah, yeah, um. I've always been interested in spirituality and, you know, I was raised a Catholic, but I didn't necessarily have a very strong faith. Mm -hmm. And again, when Lara passed away, you know, um, of course, my mother was devastated. But I remember seeing my mother had a very strong faith and actually envying her because she had something to cling to. Mm -hmm. And she believed very clearly Lara had passed, Lara had gone to heaven, and that's the way it was. And I just didn't feel like that because I just didn't know. So I suppose I went on a bit of a quest, Paul, and I, you know, explored different things. And I went off to Thailand and went to temples and um, tried to do different things to figure out. Were you looking for something when you went 
to Thailand and um on hindsight yes I didn't mm. do it intentionally but when I was there I realized you know I'd been there twice before and I'd loved it and I thought it was gorgeous and that time when I was there I was looking and I was thinking oh it's all a bit sun bleached and oh it's not as nice and then I realized oh it's me I'm a bit jaded and I had spent so many years trying to not feel the grief I had started to numb all the good feelings as well mm. and that was the turning point for me when I realized okay Lara would want me to be happy I need to try and let him go um and in that also looking for a, a spiritual kind of side of things to hold on to you know um and I do believe in Buddhism. I wouldn't say I'm Buddhist. I'm not disciplined enough to be Buddhist. Um, but I definitely, you know, I like a lot of the principles. So I probably adapt a few different principles from a few different um, religions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned there about um, uh, a vision and mm -hmm. um, gratitude. Yes. Uh, you're a big practicer of gratitude. I am. I am. It kept me sane during the lockdown big time. <laughs> yeah. And that's basically something like just saying thank you and. Yeah, there's a few different ways you can do it. So you can you can like list a few things. You can write things. You can do it in your behavior like that, being thankful to people. And these are just things that you're. So if you get up in the morning, for example, and you could list off things that you're grateful for, for example, you know, thank you for the blue sky. Thank you yeah. for the food and the cover to have breakfast. Yes, exactly. Kind of yeah. Yeah. For the comfortable bed, mm -hmm. uh, for my kids sleeping for the night, yeah. <laughs> um, whatever it might be. And then um, it, if people, you know, want to add another layer to it, if you actually think then why are you thankful? You know, OK, I'm thankful my children slept because now I'm rested and I, I'll be in better form today. Um, or, you know, as you said, there's food in the cupboard because, you know, there might be neighbors who don't have food in the cupboard or whatever it might be. Um, and it really, really it helps you keep perspective. But I find as well, it helps you then to focus what what you're what you're focusing on is what you're going to find. So if I'm looking for things to be grateful about and I'm writing a list every night during the day, I'm going to be more inclined to notice the good things in the day. Mm -hmm. So it keeps you in a positive mindset and, um, you know, also being thankful to others and that it can get us a bit away from thinking about ourselves, you know, do something for somebody else that's going to make you feel good. So as well as talking about gratitude, you've also got this um, thing called a vision board. Can you explain yes. what a vision board is? Yes, I love talking about vision boards because they so work. I really, they do. So Explain, vision... I'm, I'm dying to hear now what this is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you've heard about the secret and the law of attraction and all mm -hmm. of that. I have. Um, so basically, you know, <clears throat> it's about visualizing what it is that you want in your life. Okay, so um, a lot of the time we might say, I don't want this, I don't want that. But what do you want? So... Um, during the lockdown, I had half of my kitchen wall covered in vision board, one one wall, uh, because nobody was visiting, nobody was going to see it. And um, what I had on it was my novel, The Lotus and the Tiger, and I had written published 2021. And then I had my children's book, Joy's Playground, published 2021. Um, I had 
a picture of uh, turquoise water on a beach because we hadn't been on a holiday in such a long time, wanted to go on a holiday. Um, just things that I wanted to happen in my life. Um, <clears throat> and just every day, just acting like they've already happened. So when I'm on that holiday, when my book is published, um, and you act as if it's already happened, and like for the books that happened, both of them got published in 2021. I wasn't sure how it was going to happen, but it happened. We went on our first family holiday there just in June. Um, Did you to go the turquoise to the turquoise portal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But you know what was funny about that, actually? Um, I didn't realize Lanzarote was as nice as it is. I just said, like, get me anywhere. Yeah. I don't care. I just, I'm dying to go. And we were on the beach and I was looking, and I was like, this is like my picture that I had on the wall. You know, wow. and, and that happens. It happened. I'll give you one other example. So when we were moving to Kilkenny, we were living in Kildare, myself and my husband, and we were very busy. We had a small baby and I said, come on, let's do a vision board for the house we want. And I literally got a red pen and I said, right, pick one random thing to my husband that you want. Um, and he said, I want a post box on the wall outside. And I said, right, I want a picket fence half joking just mm. like i want to pick a fence and um we looked at a lot of houses time went by we were living here about bought this house we we're living here about two years and i found the piece of paper with the red on it and lo and behold what do we have the post box and the picket fence no way of our mind. no way no way <laughs> Everything we had put on it, we had found without even remembering. Yeah. And like, it's not like we have a mansion. We have a bungalow. It's lovely. Yeah. We love it. Like, but, um, and that's happened to me a number of times. I've put a picture of me in a certain dress doing something. And I found myself on my way to doing that thing, ironing that same dress. Cause I've planted that seed two years before. <laughs> Yeah. so it works i swear to god it works however what i would say is one small action every day towards the dream you can, okay. it's not just going to land and um, you know i had to take action i had to send the book out to publishers mm. i had to save i had to you know and you had to pay for the holiday to go on it yeah. and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah buy the house and yeah yeah so, yeah but so one small action every day and it happens yeah it so does. for anybody that kind of wants to make a vision board kind of where would you start you can do it any which way. I did one years ago with crayons at the kitchen table while my kids were coloring. And I drew random things of me sitting under a tree meditating because I wanted to do a course. Yeah. And again, found that piece of paper under the bed and said, oh, <laughs> you know, um, I've done lovely ones where I've got loads of stuff screenshotted and done them on my computer. And um, they were the ones I printed out and put on the wall. You can, uh, when I was working in addiction services, I used to bring in loads of magazines and we'd cut them all out because also, you know, for people who are in a bad place or things aren't great. And um, sometimes you can forget there's possibilities there for you. Yeah. Or like we're talking about grief a lot. You know, what's my life going to look like now without this person? You know, and it doesn't have to be, not everything is a big thing. Some things are like, you know, it could be something small, like just carving out an hour a week to go and do something lovely for yourself. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that you want your garden to look a certain way. You know, it doesn't all have to be big things. Um, but pictures, something visual, whatever way you do it. Um, would and you look, would you look at that every day then or would you? 
Yeah, put it yeah. somewhere you see it every day. Yeah. So, well, like in your house, you had it on your wall, and you could, every day you probably yeah. passed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had it at the kitchen on the kitchen wall, so I saw it every time I sat down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes I would get the kids to do little ones as well, just to give things to look forward to. Yeah. Um, especially during the lockdown. Yeah. You have yeah. mentioned your book, The Tiger and the Lotus, which is yes. available. Um, did you ever want to write a book? Was that in you from the from the from when you were young, or where's the where's the whole thing come from? Um. So I did a creative writing course about maybe I don't know if it was about 10 or 12 years ago and um I absolutely loved it I would have always written bits of poems or journaling or things like that and then when I did the creative writing course um uh, it was all online and I didn't you know the feedback was good so I thought oh okay you know I'm not terrible at this so um I was pregnant at the time with my little girl who's now seven and I went for a walk by a canal and I was talking to her all about everything I could see. And there was feathers. And I was saying, oh, they're from your Uncle Larry, who's in heaven. When I got home, I started writing about that. And then I just kept writing. I started writing about that little walk that I'd taken with her. And then I started thinking about her and how her and Lara wouldn't meet. And I ended up writing about like growing up with Lara. And then I did... I joined a writer's group and started learning more about fiction. So then I put some fiction in. So I basically had this huge document with just lots of writing about the past and the present and fiction thrown in there. Um, but then I had my second order and I just parked it. I just left it on the desktop. And when the, lo the lockdown came, I said to my husband, oh, I'm going to go back writing. I really miss it, but I don't think I'll bother with that. It's too big. And he said, oh, no, finish it. Like, try and finish it. So I finished it and I said, you know what, I'll send it off to get critiqued. And the critique was good. So I tidied it up a bit more and said, right, I'll make it into a book. Um, and then I showed it to my husband. I didn't let anybody read it until then. <laughs> and he was like, this is a book and this is a great book. You should try and get it out to publishers. So I said, you know what, I'll try. And then I started to send it out to publishers and then I did the vision board. <laughs> yeah. Now it's, so, it's a fiction, it's, it's fiction yeah. based though on true events. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, the Lotus represents, you know, the grief journey after Lara died and the tiger would represent kind of like dealing with demons mm. um, as such slaying demons. Um, so yeah, the, the thread about the grief is very much based on my own experience. Yeah. Um, and then you sent the book off to hopefully get published and then it got published. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. Did, you, how did you feel when that news came through? Oh, I couldn't believe it. I was sitting on my bed and I got a call at nine o'clock at night. And these days, most times people don't call, um, you know, there'll be emails and things like that. But uh, the publisher in England, he's a very traditional man. Uh, he's a writer himself. Uh, James Essinger, and he rang me and says, okay, I like what you sent. Will you send me the rest? And I sent him the rest of the book. And then he rang me the next day and said, I read it all last night. Love it. Want to publish it. And I was ecstatic. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. Because when you were yeah. writing the book, it's just a question in general. Um, yeah. Did you know where, did you have the beginning? Obviously, the middle is going to be the middle, but then the end of it, did you have the end of it as well, kind of? 
not a bit, yeah. not a bit at all. So I wrote another novel that I'm just working on now during uh, this, the other, in the last year, let's say. And I got an idea for that novel and I literally sat down and said, right, this is what's in the 14 chapters. Like I wrote a paragraph about each chapter and it was really clear. It's completely fiction. And I knew exactly what was happening. The other book, um, I had written a lot and then kind of decided it was going to be a book mm-hmm. and actually moved things around, like moved something towards the beginning that was in the middle, like uh, some of the tiger experience. Um and then it had to end somewhere so because it, it could have went on because some of it was based on my own life. So um, I ended it where I had stopped writing it the couple of years previous mm-hmm. and just kept working then on everything I had. So really, that was very unusual the way all that came about and it took years. It wasn't the typical kind of sitting down writing for a year and you know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you also have a second book, Joy's Playground. That's yes, a children's sure. book, isn't it? Yes. Was yes, that a yes. different, obviously it was different process in terms of the fiction book and now a children's book because a fiction book is aimed obviously towards adults and this is now yes. aimed towards children. Exactly. It was completely different. Um, what happened after I wrote the novel was I found myself saying, so Lucy, the main character is loosely based on myself. Mm-hmm. And I, of course I did a lot of reflection writing the book, you know, and it was very cathartic. And afterwards I was saying, how did I really cope when Lara died? You know, what was it that actually got me through from, you know, because the book wasn't meant to be about grief. Mm-hmm. It wasn't meant to be about anything. But when it was finished, I was like, this book is actually, there's a big thread about grief. What got me through? And I realized it was mindfulness, gratitude and self-belief. Mm-hmm. And I thought, had I have had those tools when I was a kid, I might not have gone down the, the binge drinking route to try and cope mm-hmm. and I'd love to teach those skills to my children. Mm-hmm. So I was doing the mindfulness for wellbeing course and I thought I'm going to write a book with my girls and um, to teach them these skills. So my six year old, my child is nearly seven, helped me a lot. Her middle name is Joy and um, the one that I took on the walk mm-hmm. uh, when I was expecting and we called the book Joy's Playground. And as I was finishing it, I said, you know what, wouldn't it be lovely if any child could access this and access these tools, mm-hmm. you know, their coping skills. So sent that off to a different publisher and they were, I got it uh, illustrated by Roberto Cruz. He did a lovely job. And then an English publisher, publisher, Grant Thorpe Milner, uh, published it for me. Yeah. Congratulations. So you mentioned there you have like um, another book in the works. Yes, we, I do, do. Are you allowed to tell us anything about that at all? Um, what I will tell you is it's completely different. So yeah. I just, to be honest, I just do what I enjoy doing. I don't really over plan. So uh, to try and kind of have myself in one genre or another. So The Lotus and the Tiger, you know, uh, it was pretty an emotional for me. So I just wanted to do something fun. So I got an idea for a psychological uh, suspense Okay. So it's um it's completely different, yeah. Yeah. How are you finding the process of writing that book? 
Great, much easier. <laughs> um, because I'm more experienced now, I know better what I'm doing. And um, I've had a lot of fun. The main character is a devil, so I'm having great crack just letting her be a devil, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm looking forward to, to reading that when it comes out. That'll be maybe, what, next year maybe or...? Yeah, um, it all depends. Um, I, I, I'm just not sure. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. next year. You've had a busy summer, Lizzie, with your summer camps. Yeah, yeah, Is yeah. this the first year you've done that or? It is indeed. Okay, yeah. yeah. How did yeah. that idea come about? Um, I was doing the mindfulness for well-being in the schools and um, I have two little kids myself who go to a few summer camps and again, I just thought, wouldn't it be nice if more children could pick up these skills in a fun way? Mm -hmm. um, and also, my kids get to be at the camp, too. Um, so I did four two-day mindfulness for well-being camps. And um, thankfully, they were a great success. They were full, and the kids enjoyed them, and the parents fed back. Um, and the parents have asked, a lot of the, the mothers asked me, is there anything uh, for the parents? Mm -hmm. So I'm actually going to run... Um, mindfulness classes for adults uh from towards the end of september oh brilliant yeah. is there anything like that in the country at the moment for kids where they could have learned stuff like that um i not that i know of yeah because i think it's a new, I know it's, of. it sounds like it's a, it's a new kind of concept yeah yeah, that's why I was really excited about doing it. And I wasn't sure what the uptake would be like. But like the last camp, I literally had to turn a lot of people away. Yeah. Like all the camps were full. So parents are very aware of these are good skills mm. for children. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I wish that we had something like that when we were growing up to give. Yeah. Us and I think that's what motivates me to do. Yeah. 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 Um, now. Your, can you tell us how to get hold of your books? Oh, get hold of the books. Okay. So really, they're they're kind of everywhere online. So if you Google The Lotus and the Tiger or Joy's Playground, you'll find them on Amazon and all the usual places and Eason's. Um, in Galway, they're in um, Kenny's uh, bookshop and Charlie's. Charlie Burns, yeah. Charlie Burns. Um, sorry, there's so many names whizzing around in my head. So they're in the bookshops in Galway and they're in the bookshops in Kilkenny and they're online. And they're also on my website. If people want like a signed copy or a dedicated copy for a gift or something like that, um, themindfulplayground.com is my website. And that's where people can get in contact with you if they want any more information about anything you've spoken about today. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or if they just even have any questions about mindfulness for their children or themselves or anything like that, I'm happy to hear from people. That's fantastic. Um, Lizzie, you're going to close out the show with one of your poems, a poem of your choice. Um, I am. What's this poem? What's this poem about? So this poem is called Tiger Torment, and I actually wrote it when I was writing the book. Um I mentioned there, you know, the tiger represents kind of slaying, slaying demons. And um, when I was writing the book, I wrote this poem about the tiger. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So, yeah. Um, not the kid's book. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, Lizzie, take it away. Thanks a million, Paul. Tiger torment. Dying was not an option, nor was living as a hostage. I was going crazy. No one could save me, 
I had to save myself. It was me or him. I chose me. Lovely. Thank you. Lizzie, it's been fantastic to speak to you today. Um, best of luck with your books and your upcoming book. And hopefully when that comes out, you might come back on and um, tell us all about that. I'd love to. Thanks a million. And it's been great chatting to you, Paul. Thanks so much. Thank you. Um, and that's it for today's episode of Mind the Head. Thank you so much for listening along. I'll be back with you again soon. Take care. Bye bye. Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being. Sundays on Lockray Community Radio, brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, funeral directors caring for your peace of mind.